We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the making. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek Ciapala here with our guest for the evening, host of Locked On Rams, Brad Bearmotter. As we come in here to talk a little bit about the draft and cause all kinds of hate and discontent throughout the world. Hey, Bear, how you doing? Oh, man, I'm doing great. That was an awesome intro. I'm sitting here. I'm like getting ready for a fight like I'm coming down the ring, man. I'm, I'm ready to go. <laughs> well, pumped up. It's almost like you and I haven't talked forever. It wasn't just like five minutes ago or anything. It's been a while. I mean, those five <laughs> minutes seemed like forever. So, yeah, I'm on Bear's show tonight as well. He'll be, it'll be out tomorrow, so he gets to come on live, and I get nothing but the tape delay. This is <laughs> I'm going to go edit you. Yeah, I, and I got the shoehorn last week, too, because you had better things to do. I'm, I'm feeling very <laughs> sheepish. I just Yeah, right. Let's sad. be honest. You fell asleep on me. I mean, it was draft day. You fell asleep. It's late. I'm West Coast, man. I, I, the, that's the great thing about living on the West Coast when these drafts, these primetime sports events are on. It's over. It's like 7, 8 o'clock for me. I'm ready to go. Oh, come on, man. It was like midnight, 12.50. Yeah, your time. And you're pushing <laughs> back the podcast as it was. You know, come on. <laughs> I mean, I because you had to give Jake Ellenbogen two episodes. I'm, <laughs> well, the, I'm yep, like a guilty a girlfriend. I just couldn't, you know, I just feel horrible about myself now. Poor self-esteem, you know, crying in the corner, rock back and forth, and just, you know, hopefully 
somehow survive this trauma of being all right, well, cast out of the podcast let's, wasteland. Let's get it all out tonight, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> so how's it been, though? Oh, man, it's been good. Um, you know, the draft has been – it just feels like this process was like three months long when it was – you know, I mean, for some people it's longer than that. But, man, it just – it was just so much hype leading up to it, leading up to it. And as we talked about earlier, it was just all hype and, and no show for the Rams really in the first day. It was you get excited, the draft's finally here, and then a bunch of trade backs. And, you know, it was just kind of that you just wanted to see a pick finally. And when it happened, it was like, you know, set the fireworks off and, and let's go. But, you know, it was it was a long process overdue. Uh, but it's exciting, man, just to get to talk football all the time and and see be a part of an organization like the Rams where you're looking across the board as some of these people were drafted and going, man, I'd hate to be a Giants fan. I'd hate to be a, a Raiders fan. I'd hate to be, you know, an Arizona Cardinals fan. And it's just so good uh, to support the Rams and see them continue to do, uh, you know, great decisions and, and build their roster with depth. Oh, boy, the Giants really made a tra- you know, total train wreck of that first round, didn't they? Oh, you know, and it's like I love more than anything is just not so much just the the picks, but it's the New York Giant fans reactions that I love. I mean, you go back even when Porzingis was drafted to the Knicks and there's the little kid crying and, you know, everyone's going, who's this guy? And, you know, it doesn't matter who they're picking unless it's kind of unless they've heard about him for a while as as a can't miss prospect, then they're going to be pretty upset. And, And then to think that they basically got an Eli Manning 2.0 uh, that they have been dying to probably get rid of. And all of a sudden, here we go with, you know, his his best buddy coming from Duke, you know, a smaller f- football school and, you know, has the Cutcliffe connection that the Manning brothers have. And it's just like they're trying to get so far away from that. And they just pick another guy that is, you know, quote unquote, going to be their franchise moving forward. It, it was It was tough to watch for them. You know what's really ridiculous, though? It's not just that they went and made this leap. They, they could have probably gotten Daniel Jones at 17. But Gettleman, their, their GM, Dave Gettleman, saying, I know for a fact that two other teams are looking at that, looking at Jones between now and 17. And I'm sitting there thinking, dude, nah, man, it was only you. And other sources like Benjamin Albright was out there saying the same thing. Nothing here across the league showing that, you know, that was the actual case. So, dude, if listen, if that was your guy, if you believe in him that much and that <laughs> he's it, right, then just defend the fact you took him at six and move on. Don't sit there and say, well, we could we had to take him then because we knew someone's going to take him in between six and 17. No, 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 no. Listen. That was your guy. You believed in him. Just own it, man. Don't back off now and come up with excuses as to why you basically, well, for lack of a better term, blew your wad early. And is that acceptable to say? We're not. Yeah, get, get in there. Yeah. Me, I mean, just yeah. say. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, just say. Really, that's what you did. And then the same thing for Lawrence. Lawrence is a nice pick, but he wasn't. A, he was. You could have moved back a little bit for them if there was a partner there. So they just. It was just silly stuff. I, I am glad that we have an organization to cover that is somewhat competent. We couldn't even say that about. Was it five six years ago? Was the Rams organization competent five six years ago? No. So it's changed a lot, hasn't it? Yeah, and it's funny you talked about the Giants and Gettleman, and it's funny to even see, you know, he makes that comment, and then he's got Dan Snyder with the Washington Redskins, who, again, it's like a battle of these crappy GMs being like, no, you suck, no, you suck. And he came out and was like, dude, there's no way he knows what we were going to do with our pick. And it's like you set yourself up for the rest of the teams that, 
you know, you said you had to sneak in front to come out and be like, nope, we were not going to take that guy. And then you look even dumber. So, yeah, the, to see the the progress of the Rams organization and less need. And, and, and you probably know this a lot better than I do, but I remember going back when I first moved to L.A. and this team was kind of in transition and I was paying attention to them. And when they came out to L.A., I really started to, you know, put the focus on to the Rams. But when – I hate even saying this name, but when Jeff Fisher was, you know, getting his extension and, and then was fired, I really thought Les Snead and Jeff Fisher were hand-in-hand in, hand in this. And, and if one was going to go, they both were going to go. Les Snead kind of pulled the rug out on Jeff Fisher and has really, since then, turned it all around. Obviously, uh, we know that he hit the pick with Jared Goff, and from there he's really picked well and the hiring of Sean McVay. Now all of a sudden Les Snead – Seems like one of the better GMs in the league. Well, that's the thing is when they hired him, he was known for being a film study nerd, a guy who would get knee deep and, and find these talents. And he did have some really nice picks early on in his career. So as we find out year, as years go on, it wasn't him. It was Jeff Fisher. And that's the reason why they didn't fire Snead. I mean, let's just be honest about that. They, they didn't fire Snead because he was competent. Jeff Fisher, as much as by the way, Jeff Fisher's Twitter feed is awesome. It is it really, is. I mean, it's awesome. <laughs> so this is this is no longer, you know, this is not personal. It's just that you know Jeff Fisher didn't do a good job, and that's all it is. Go follow Jeff Fisher now. His Twitter feed's freaking epic, man. He's a lot of good stuff going on there, and he's able to he's able to even laugh at himself for some of his own mistakes. So it's not like hey, you, that you can't acknowledge the fact that he did a good he didn't do a good job. And we're finding now that Snead was more than just competent. He was becoming a fantastic GM and a guy who handles things very well. All right, so before we move forward here, we do want you to know our podcast is sponsored by Jim Hawk and his book club was team. We also remind you that we're available anywhere podcasts can be found, including Spotify, SoundCloud, Spreaker. You can find our podcasts also listed with Clutch Points. They feature an awesome app that puts loads of NBA and NFL information at your fingertips. Check them out at clutchpoints.com or download the app. Also, don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review. It really helps us out. And don't forget our other shows in the network, Rams Uncensored, which is basically... A bunch, I'm throwing some shade here. If you're listening, guys, I'm throwing some serious shade. A bunch of 40-year-old teenagers, okay, having a blast on their show and butting heads with Steve and Johnny. Listen, we have a lot of fun here at Rams Talk. We have a, different, a bunch of different flavors. If you like a flavor, go listen. We do the best we can to provide you good content and hopefully, in some cases, entertaining content. Also, in terms of iTunes, we have a contest underway. We'd love to get your feedback. We need more of it. And we'd like to get to 200 five-star reviews. So... When we get there, one lucky winner with a $75 gift to NFLShop.com, and this is how it works. Head over to iTunes, leave a five-star review, send us an email at RamsTop1945, a copy of your entry, so we knew we know who to, well, reward as the winner. And we'll also read your feedback on the show. <sighs> there we go. It's all the way. And now <laughs> we can get down to some actual Rams business now. You know, this is the beginning of our tour in the league, and we're beginning the tour in the league with our own guys, you know, the Rams. And you might think it's a little weird that we would we wouldn't just talk about it ourselves. But what we want to do is we want to bring in other perspectives. You guys have been hearing our perspective for a while. You've been hearing everything we had to say about the, the 2018 Rams, the things they did right, things they did wrong. Well, now we're going to bring somebody else over to give their point of view of what the Rams did in 2018 what they need to do that what they did in the offseason what they need to do this year to continue being successful so that is why brad the bear 
is our guest to, to represent the Rams for the tour and the league. So, Bear, are you ready? I'm ready to do it, man. Let's All do right, this. Man. So, what is your final analysis of the 2018 Rams? What made this team special to make it to the Super Bowl? Oh, man. You know what? It, it Really, Whitworth said it best in an interview I saw not too long ago, and he talked about it was game one, and they got a lot of new players, a lot of new faces in, and, and they weren't sure how everything was going to click. They came out really slow to start the game against the Raiders, who we saw you know, ended up with a top four pick in, in the draft and so didn't have a good season. Started out really slow against them. We thought we were going to be this high-powered offense. They went into the locker room. They got together and they kind of had this rah-rah moment of like look at, looking in each other's eyes and saying, guys, this is not us. This is not what we, you know, we're in camp. And they came out, they dominated the second half, they put up some points, and it was capped off with Marcus Peters taking that pick six to the house, which they said after the game when they gave him the game ball and he got to break it down. He was really kind of emotional, almost tears in his eyes. And Wilbur said right there, I knew that we weren't just a team, we were a family. And that's the type of connection that, you know, you take for granted and not a lot of locker rooms have there's all this i mean just a couple teams off the top that i'm thinking of is you know look at the jaguars were really good last year won 11 12 games or whatever it was this year were a mess they had players sitting on the sidelines talking and laughing when they were losing and sitting out and they had all this drama as far as the organization goes and you talk about the giants with odell beckham at that point and so you really you really miss um that opportunity when you have a, a group of guys like this to make a good run. And they had, you know, a really successful year the year before that, going to the playoffs, losing at home to Atlanta. So they had that taste of what it felt like to get to that next level for a team that was coming off of winning four games the previous year. So they finally put it all together, but they had this feeling of connection. You felt it through the whole season. I mean, really, they would they start off 11 and 0 or 12 and 0, whatever they got up to at, at one point. Not and it that was just far, but you're close. It felt good. It felt right. It's coming off. <laughs> but they, they really put it together, and it was just this thing of, of us against the world, and that locker room was so tight. They were so on board with Sean McVay and what he was doing, uh, how they were using personnel. We hit a couple injuries along the way with Cooper Cup, but um, you know, guys picked it up, stepped in, and, and moved forward. And that's another thing you can't really – um, you know, predict is the health of a team. And, and you know, overall, other than that injury, um, Tlaib went down for a time period, but we're, we're pretty healthy overall as a football club. So it was just great to see put together what we knew they had talent-wise. And they put it together with really kind of coming together and believing in each other and trusting each other. And then really, I mean, for me, the big goal was to get to the playoffs, win a playoff game, and contend for an NFC championship. And obviously we did all those things uh, I wish we didn't have that call that kind of, you know, took away our win as far as pride goes, you know, around the NFL. Oh, you know, you saw the memes and stuff, and it was kind of this doubt of why they're there. I wish that wasn't the case, but we won that ball game. You know, we stopped them getting in the end zone the two times before that play. We stopped them in overtime. We get an interception from Drew Brees. So there were so many great things that came out of that game. And obviously, we know how the Super Bowl ended and kind of just laying an egg as far as points go. I know they're dying to get back, and I kind of take that and roll that into 2019 that kind of what I started this with was getting to the playoffs, facing Atlanta, tasting that defeat, and being able to climb over that mountain the next year. I'm really hoping that these guys, even though there's some new guys in, in the clubhouse, to get that far and not want to have to feel that you know confetti coming down as they're walking out with their heads down. So uh, it was a really fun season. They, you know, by far... 
um, went past my expectations of what I would call a successful season. They made it to the big dance, the Super Bowl. So you can't really be too much more upset about that other than you wish they just would have played a little bit better. But the funny thing is their defense played great. You know, this was a close game in the fourth quarter. It's not like we got blown out. We just, you know, we couldn't put up points. You know, if we did anything of what we did on average throughout the season, we would have blown out the Patriots in the Super Bowl. It just wasn't our night offensively. But, man, it was so encouraging to watch that that season last year. Look back at that Super Bowl game too, and despite all the offensive problems, imagine if that pass interference call that wasn't actually was, and the Rams get the ball on the one yard line, and all of a sudden that game totally changes. You never know what will happen at that point if that becomes a, a, a different, you know, a touchdown for the Rams. So it all could have been different. It didn't wind up being that way, and now we're looking towards next year. And what do you believe the team must do to earn a return trip to the Super Bowl? You know, it's it, again, it's one of those things you can't control, but health. You know, we need guys to be healthy because we've got some young guys on the offensive line. So if we start losing, you know, if we lose a guy like Andrew Whitworth to injury or even Noteboom or, you know, whoever ends up playing center, we're going to really start to be in trouble as far as, you know, filling those gaps and not having to fill them with rookies. You know, we picked up two offensive linemen in the draft, but we don't really know how they're going to transition directly to the NFL right away. And we don't really want to put them in that position. So health's going to be a key. We don't really have control over that. Uh, but then just staying true to ourselves on offense. You know, we picked up, uh, you know, Henderson in the draft and traded up for him in the third round. Really excited about what he can bring. Cooper Cup coming back. Obviously, we don't want to run him back into the ground, so he's not going to probably play as much as far as snap-wise that he did the year before. But you expect him to be pretty healthy and ready to run. So, uh, really, it's just kind of staying true to what we do and, you know, move the ball offensively. And, and again, I think it, we've added an extra year in our secondary with Peters and Tlaib to be able to work with each other. Uh, when Tlaib was out, he struggled. When he was in, he did really well. And so if we can keep those two guys healthy with Eric Weddle in the back kind of replacing Joyner, I feel like our secondary and NRC was just a stud last year if he can continue to play at that level. Um, Aaron Donald is a freak of nature, so we expect you know double-digit sacks, high double-digit sacks from him. So if we can get Fowler to get more and more comfortable. Remember, he came over – uh, I believe week 11 or 12, whatever that was. And, and so midway through the season. So this is a full off season for for him in camp with the Rams, getting to know Wade Phillips system even more and more. And he jumped in pretty quick. So I'm excited. I've got big hopes for him. Obviously he's on the one year deal getting paid. Uh, so he wants to perform well because he wants that big long-term contract. But you, you look across the board on both sides, Jared Goff has progressively gotten better. In, in each one of his years. So you, you expect him to continue to take that next step and be a leader as far as, you know, that, that quarterback out there. I'm really excited about this team. There are some few spots where you got to watch, right? That D line, who's going to step up besides Aaron Donald, the linebacking core, who's going to really take lead of that and be able to, you know, kind of contribute. Is Clay Matthews stepping in right away and going to be a helpful answer there? Um, you know, how much does Weddle have left in him? I think a lot, but. Uh, I really, really like what they've done with adding the veterans for cheap, being able to go along with guys like Todd Gurley and Aaron Donald who are getting paid. And, and speaking of getting paid, we've got another guy in Jared Goff who's going to be getting paid here pretty soon. So uh, we did a good job of filling cheap talent in with veteran leadership. Uh, so I'm excited for the season coming up. I mean, how do you grade those frequency moves overall, A, B, C, D, E, F? What, what do you grade them for? What do you give them? You know, I, I think for the value-wise and the price we paid – 
uh, I think we got to get a, a B grade, above average grade, above a C. You know, I, I don't think it's an A. There's no home run guy, but I really like bringing Fowler back because he's young. Uh, he seems like a guy that he just wants someone to buy into him, to believe in him. And in Jacksonville, that never was really the case. He was still struggling with some off-the-field stuff, and he admitted that coming over, and he was ready to turn the page. And he's got some great guys. I talked about all those leaders that we have in our ball club, and and having him be around those guys and take, you know, his career serious and be able to take that next step, I'm excited for him. So, you know, he's a part of that free agency class. And then Weddle, uh, although, you know, he said he was almost debating retiring at this point, uh, but being able to work with a guy like Sean McVay and, and Wade Phillips really changed his mind and being out here in L.A. I mean, who doesn't love that? He started out here as a charger well, down in San Diego. But, um, you know, to come back to the warm weather and finish his career, I think he's got a lot left, not only physically, but to help guys like John Johnson and obviously, you know, our newest draft pick in, in Taylor Rapp and even David Long, a cornerback there. Um, so I, I like that pickup. And for the value we got him, you saw the first day or two in free agency and people are breaking the bank. There's a lot of guys we would have loved to have, but we couldn't afford that. And so to get, you know, Eric Weddle for, you know, the handful of millions we got and then to come back and get a guy like Clay Matthews, who's got a pretty big chip on his shoulder since he was with Green Bay for so long. And they basically said, oh, we're kind of done with you. Uh, we think you're, you're done, you know, at least here and coming back over and, and having him come for you know a couple million, getting Blake Bortles as a backup. That is a huge upgrade. I don't care if you want to make Blake Bortles and, you know, go back and watch some of his stuff. He's had some pretty poor performances, but he's also coming off of the last couple of years of being the better half of his career in the NFL. So I like our free agent as far as value goes. We didn't get the wow guy. I think our wow guy probably would have been Fowler, uh, even though he was on our team, but re-signing him was the wow move for us. But other than that, the value of what we got in veteran leadership and guys that kind of have this chip on their shoulder to prove I'm not done yet is where I think the Rams really hit a home run in the free agency. Well, it's also wows in terms of how much you paid Fowler. 14 mil for a year's that's pretty hefty. So he better work out because you need that money in terms of, you know, if he does well, you're going to be paying him 14 plus the rest of his career and turn with the Rams anyway. So we'll see. I I like the moves overall as well. And, and I think what they did was get the best what they could with limited salary cap and trying to kind of pare it down to what's going to have to be a decisive move for Jared Goff here very shortly. So, What grade do you award the Rams for the draft? What do they earn? You know, I, that's where I have it same. I've got them at a BB+. Plus. Um, I really liked, again, this isn't a team that is going to have a top 10 pick that you're going to go get, uh, you know, keep using this term, but the wow guy, that wow move. They're not going to give up draft picks to move up to get it. There was a really a deep draft. So we, we talked about this even on Lockdown Rams that at 31, there were some guys that I wish they maybe hung around and picked that. But they were looking for, you know, Les Snead said, as many shots at the basket in the top 100 as possible. That was his goal. They know they're really good at picking third-round talent. I mean, just look in the last couple of years of Cooper Cup, John Johnson, those guys, Everett, you know, coming a little bit later. Being able to get more picks in that area in a deep draft and just take as many shots at the basket and hoping if you get four in the top 400 if three work out awesome instead of trying to go and get one or two guys and now you're you're taking down your chance as far as those guys working out so i like it as far as the the you know kind of getting more cracks at it for getting you know hitting on a player 
And I like the guys they got. You know, Taylor Rapp was a guy from UW that, uh, you know, didn't test well. And But if you go and watch his film, man, the boy is a beast back there. He's, you know, six foot. He's aggressive. He's always around the ball when the ball's up in the air. He's making plays. He also is not afraid to come up and make a tackle, which I really like. You know, we want those guys that want, you know, even in the secondary. That was one of our cracks on Marcus Peters last year. There were times where I was like, he does not want to tackle at all. He was did not want to get in there and tackle. And we need more guys that want to tackle. Weddle is a tough-nosed guy. I think it's perfect match for him to sit with, uh, with Weddle and learn and also go up there and be aggressive. We lost Joyner, who was kind of that player, but not as good in the secondary. You know, he would come up and, and crack some heads, but he – at times was a liability. I mean, look at that Saints game, that play that set him up uh, for that field goal was just misread by Joyner. So uh, I think that's an upgrade there, especially coming out of the draft. And as we stay in the secondary, David Long, man, I mean, listen to this one. This is my favorite stat out of all of our guys in his career at Michigan, which I believe was three years. He only gave up 18 completions, 18, his whole career. That's incredible. I mean, you're talking about guys, that give up 18 halfway through the season. And this guy, through his whole career at Michigan, they just stopped throwing his way. And when they did, he was breaking it up, um, you know, picking it off. He's another guy that likes to come up and tackle. A great tackler in the open field. So I think that's, you know, another thing that plays to what you want on defense. A guy, a cornerback or a secondary that's not afraid to stick their nose in there. So I like that. And then the Henderson pick. I mean, Darrell Henderson, we trade up in the third round. Lots of noise about that, but... If you watch, again, if you watch some of this guy's tape, he averaged over nine yards per carry, per carry, not like touch, not, you know, going out and catching passes, which he can do. But when they handed the ball to him and he was running nine yards a time, and that's almost a first down, a touch. Um, yes, he played at Memphis, right? There are people that say that, okay, well, the competition's not there, but take away four yards from that. And it's still an amazing yard per carry. I think this guy is going to be fun to watch. He can catch the ball. Uh, obviously he's a great runner. I think McVeigh just has one more weapon that he was missing. We had the, the trio and wide receivers. That was amazing. We had Todd Gurley, the beast, and we're just missing that X factor, a guy that you don't know what we're going to do with. Are we going to put him in the backfield with Todd Gurley? Are we going to put him by himself? Are we going to move him in a jet sweep? you got to pay attention to this guy. Now it just adds one more person on the offense that you, you look at and go, well, crap, how are we going to – You know, if you get him mismatched on a linebacker, good luck. Um, so I love that pickup. Our first you know, three picks off the board I loved. Um, from there, you just start to look at guys and figure out how they're going to fit in. Greg Gaines was a guy I really liked in the fourth round, um, kind of old-school football player. He's going to go right in front on the nose. He's going to be able to kind of help stop the run. We gave up five yards per carry last year. We need to improve there. Um, hoping these guys don't have to be big-time impacts, guys that will have roles on the team. You always hear that in Sean McVay. These guys know their role. Uh, so hopefully we can find packages for each one of them. But overall, loved it. You get down to the seventh round, you start going Nick Scott, who's basically a special teamer. Why not? Bones has killed it in special teams. If he thinks he likes a guy, go get a guy in the seventh round that you think can plug in. And then Dakota Allen in the seventh round, which is exciting. You know, uh, Last Chance U, he's the first player from the Netflix show Last Chance U, which they've had you know handfuls of season, to get drafted in the NFL. Guy had some trouble, um, you know, left from, I believe it was Texas Tech, and then they actually invited him back. Cliff Kingsbury, who I know you love, we just yeah, talked about him. My best friend. <laughs> 
Yeah, had some high praise to say about this guy as far as character turning his life around and being a great football player and linebacker. Another guy that helps out in special teams. So, you know, top to bottom, I really like a lot of things about this draft. I would have liked a few other players earlier, but if you're looking at value and how deep this draft was, I think the Rams did exactly what they wanted to do. And if that's what they wanted to do, I feel extremely well about it. And, you know, and that draft was basically fill the gaps, fill the holes, find the right people to fill out the roster, and they did just that. So to me, I, we talked about before, I gave it a B plus. I like what they did. And now where you are basically entering the dead season, where there is not going to be much coming out until training camp, and except for us sitting here and thinking, ooh, look at the schedule. Yeah. He wins. And that's what we're going to do now. We're going to look at the schedule here and – figure out where do the Rams rank right now? Just offhand, are they still the first place team in the division? After all the draft picks and all the free agency moves, where do they sit for you? Yeah, I think it's hands down. you you got to show me you can knock these guys off before I would ever move them from the number one spot. Um, I really think in, in free agency in the draft that you know teams in our division really shortened that gap from, you know, I think the Rams were, you know, I had them, Last year, I had them winning our division by three games in, in, in prediction world. And I was so confident in that because I was looking around and Russell Wilson just didn't have a ton of help. And he still really doesn't. They added Metcalf in the draft. So we'll have to see. He had a lot of noise coming out. But you know, we've talked about on Lockdown Rams is that these Niners really literally went out in free agency. And I feel like their sole goal isn't to defeat anybody else but the Los Angeles Rams. Because if you can come out of the NFC West, you're in pretty – good shape you know moving forward in the nfc and into the playoffs so uh their whole goal was to stack up on the defense slow this offense down they did that via free agency picked up you know some linebackers uh, some secondary as well as you know nick bosa in the draft taking him number two who was my favorite player coming out in this year's draft and you know as far as the 49ers sitting there too going yeah you know take murray trade rosen do whatever you're going to do up there arizona because we've got nick bosa coming to us and then if you look at Arizona and what they did as far as the draft, I think they had a really good draft as well. I almost think they had a little bit better, maybe the best draft in the NFC West as you look at. They've had, I think they ended up with like 11 picks or 10 picks, something like that. They added three wide receivers. Um, they added the Michigan cornerback Murphy himself, uh, who's great to go on the other side of Patrick Peterson. Obviously, they got Kyler Murray, who is like, in my eyes, Russell Wilson 2.0. We'll see if it transitions. Uh, but like I mentioned earlier to you is is what I love about that is Aaron Donald plays Russell Wilson to a T, man. He he owns Russell Wilson. Uh, you just look at his stats when they play each other. I think it's the highest sacking yeah. quarterback he has. Um, and he knows how to contain him. He knows how to, uh, you know, not let him get outside of the pocket too often because Russell Wilson's still going to make plays. So it weirdly kind of fits in our division to for Aaron Donald to be like, all right, I, I know this before. I've played this. So, um I really think it's Rams on top. I think it goes San Francisco after that. I think they edge out Seattle with all of the moves they did in the free agency. Getting Jimmy G back, I'm not a believer in Jimmy G yet. When he came out here with the big contract, I said play 17 games and prove it first to me. He couldn't even play 17 games. So we still have to see can he play a full season as a starting quarterback. But if he can, I think he he showed signs of, of being able to deliver the ball. So with adding, I think they picked up a wide receiver in the second round. Um, so, yeah, I think they're sitting below us um, at two. And then I think, you know, it's Seattle at three. And I think Arizona really made a big stride up. Um, 
at the end of last year, it was basically us and Seattle at the top and Niners and Cardinals on the bottom. I think this division is a lot closer um, from one to four than it than it has been in a long, long time. Again, prediction world. We'll see this. You know, we might have two teams from the NFC West in the top three picking again in the draft next year. But the way it's lining up and I'm seeing players and what I expect, especially as we've seen rookie quarterbacks in the past few years come in and be really productive. I mean, you're talking about um, – what's his name with the Ravens that went to the playoffs and then, you know, Baker Mayfield, when he got the full go, he seemed to really, you know, step alive. Uh, the Jets made, you know, progress throughout the season. Uh, Rosen's now down in um, Miami. Miami. So we yeah. got a lot of, yeah, got a lot of young quarterbacks that, you know, are expected to do stuff right away. Uh, so I expect him to be another one of those guys and, and put up some wins. I don't think they're going to be a four win team anymore. I really like this division. I think, if you look across the NFL for a long time, it was, you know, NFC East. A lot of people talked about with the Cowboys and, you know, the Giants and the Eagles and the Redskins. And that always seemed to be exciting near the end of the year. But I really think this year uh, it's NFC West again that's going to get a lot of noise if these teams can play as good as the rosters look right now, at least in my opinion. I'm sorry. I have no faith whatsoever in the Cardinals for various reasons. We know we are, you and I have had our conversation about Kingsbury, but also I look at, Kyler Murray, he's he was look, he was only a starter for one year at Oklahoma in a very quarterback friendly offense. So I'm not even sold on him yet. I know everybody is thrilled for him, and I'm happy for him too. But you got to show me that you have more than just one year Oklahoma. Kind of like you're talking about for Kingsbury. Prove it, right? Well, prove it. I want to see this. That's my bottom yeah. line. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I totally understand that aspect of it. My favorite thing about the kid is, one, he's got that huge chip on his shoulder because you're not the only one saying that, right? A lot of people saying the same thing about, okay, yeah, you're short. You've only had one year in college. It wasn't really a pro-style offense. What I liked about this kid, and you can go back all the way to his college days, he's the only kid in the state of Texas to win four back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back championships in college in, in high school football he's a winner i mean he was drafted top five in major league baseball he's a talent uh it, like this draft didn't have at the top of the draft so i think he is a freak of nature as far as his size his arm strength his accuracy his able to kind of create when there's nothing there and we've seen the nfl really transition to that a little bit and be more open to that as a quarterback wise again i'm with you you gotta prove it uh, Cliff Kingsbury, you know, coming from college, you know, yes, he's got this offense that he's bringing that it better live up to the hype because, you know, they gave him the keys to the ride and said, pick whoever you want at number one, basically. Um, and the marriage seems like it would go really well, but you're right. I mean, they're in a really tough division. Uh, defenses are stacked in this division. Uh, what's it like when he takes his first couple hits from some of these big boys or Aaron Donald puts all his weight on them? We'll see how he can hold up throughout the whole season. I think that's important, too. Can he play the whole season? But I, me and you are on different pages on this. I think he is that next level of a talent that he's going to come in and be able to uh, bring that Cardinal team from a four-win team to possibly close to a seven-eight-win team. I think he's three to four wins better uh, with him on the roster. Yeah, I want what you're smoking, dude. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean – there's a there. It's not just him. It's it's Kingsbury. It's I'm not. I just just not a whole lot of faith there, in what the Cardinals showed, and have put into it. Now listen, I, I 
I could be eating my words. I mean, we're, we're the 2016 Rams to the 2017 Rams. Right. I mean, so things can happen quickly. It's really comes down to can Murray step over after being a starter for one year in college ball and Kingsbury show that he's more than what was a very pedestrian career at Texas Tech, who, by the way, fired their own dude. The guy went there, and he couldn't get a job in college anywhere else. Did he interview anywhere else? So No, I think, yeah, I, I, you're, you're talking about Kingsbury, right? Yeah, I mean, there was nothing really well, out there for him. So I, I just don't have didn't a whole, he take I, the Didn't he take the USC offensive well, yeah, coordinator a, job? A coordinator yeah. job. Yeah, and, that's what's but, crazy. He went from a coordinator to a head coach in the NFL – and people were shocked when he kind of, you know, said, "Well, I'm going to go take this job." And they're like, "Wow, you just, you, just, you know, you had USC offense groups. Come on, you're going to the NFL." But you're right, <laughs> you know, that big jump for him, and he's going to have to prove it in year one. All right, so looking at the schedule here, okay, let's go through the games here, just one by one, real quick, kind of pick them out, and just or on paper now. All right, don't hold us to this country training camp. Country training camp, we'll go back through them again. But Rams, Panthers, week one, win or loss. Whew, road game started out, but I think uh, we played so well on the road. Well, we play so well on the road with McVay. I think that's a win. I think uh, I, I'm not a big fan of Cam Newton. Uh, that team's still coming together. I think we go on with a chip on our shoulder thinking, you know, our last game. They've been waiting three months to play foot, whatever, four months, five months at that point to play football again from their last loss. I think they're going to come out fired up on the road and get a win. Okay, week two, Saints-Rams. Now, the Rams will be putting up their NFC Championship banner that weekend probably too, so that's going to be a lot of fun for the Saints. Who you got for this one? Oh, uh, you know, it's like it's such a it, – exact same answer I could say. The Saints could say that for this game coming out to, to um, L.A., but I think it, it goes back to the thing of we won that football game. I think everyone in that locker room is tired of hearing Michael Thomas – uh, go on and be like, oh, all this, you know, crying and on Twitter and, and saying that, you know, we're sorry and this and that. So there's a lot of, you know, bulletin board material coming into this. Our opening game in L.A., we don't lose that game. That's a win. Rams and Browns, week three. <sighs> this is a Sunday night football game. Kind of one of those uh, who is Cleveland game. I don't think they're a for sure playoff team. I think the Rams on Sunday night go to Cleveland, get a win. I think we're starting the season hot again. We're gonna we're gonna win that game. Three and zero. Bucks Rams next week. Tampa Bay at home. Uh, that's that's got to be a win. Uh, the thing we said last year was if you want to be a team that's playing at the end of the year, you got to beat teams you're supposed to beat. This is a team in that rebuilding process. I, could be Jameis Winston as the starter, which right there should say a W for you. You got to win this game. That's a win, Tampa Bay. Okay, week five. Ram Seahawks. You know what? In Seattle. Thursday night, short turnaround. The last time we had a Thursday night game in a short turnaround, if I'm correct, I think that was uh, right when Jeff Fisher got fired. And no, 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 no. Five the Rams. Rams last year, man. No, no, no. When. When they went up to Seattle right after oh, okay. uh, Jeff Fisher yeah. got fired, 
And Jared Goff was still trying to figure out how to run for his life behind that line that year, and they won on a short week. I actually think Seattle's tired of us winning up in Seattle. As much as I don't want to do it, I think this on a short week coming after – I mean, that opening three games and throw in Tampa Bay just because it's NFL football game, that four weeks to start the season, that's a pretty tough start with some big games. Short week up in Seattle – They've been waiting to beat us up there for the last couple of years. I take, uh, you know, I think this is going to be a, a, an L for us here. Okay, next week though, after ten days off, Four Niners and Rams in LA. Uh, yeah, this has got to be Rams kind of getting back in control of the NFC West because obviously at that point we'd be zero and one. The way I'm looking at it now, and again, like you said, a lot of this is going to change. Uh, probably in the next week is how I feel. But looking at it right now, talking with you, uh, we beat San Francisco in that game. Okay, Rams-Falcons, following week. This is October 20th. Yep, big trip across the country, uh, down south to Atlanta. Revisit the site of the Super Bowl, which we just lost. Uh, I don't know if that plays into motivation or not. I am always 50-50 on the Falcons. Sometimes they look amazing. Julio Jones and Matt Ryan look unstoppable. And other times you look at them and you're thinking, you know, I I look at you no differently than Tampa Bay sometimes. So going to be curious to see where Atlanta's at at this point. Road game. Um, I'm just I'm scrolling down the rest of the schedule to see how many many, I'm going going to win here for the Rams. Okay, so I'm going to say on par together thus far. Okay, well, um, I I think I gotta I gotta mix it up. I gotta say um, no, I gotta say win here. I just don't think Matt Ryan's going to do it against our defense. I'm going to say win. All right, so they're six and one right now. Heading to London against the Bengals, I, I seven and one. I'm not even going to. Yeah, yeah, we're we're awesome in London, and it's Cincinnati Bengals. So okay. I, we're gonna have we've got a huge crowd in London. They they love us over there. I think we're gonna have a, a good support out there, and I think it's just it's a you know reunion of uh, you know some head coaches as well as a brand new season for them. Andy Dalton doesn't really impress me much, and uh, yeah, I go Rams with the win. Okay, so seven one. Rams at Steelers. This will be now a third straight game away from Los Angeles. Yeah, and it's crazy. I mean, <laughs> I may have to go back and change that Atlanta pick to a loss, but because I, I don't, this is a year you want to play Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. If you're stuck playing Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, this is the year you want to do it because they're a mess right now. And at this point in the season, I'm really curious to see, you know, one, obviously, the health of Ben Roethlisberger. Juju, Juju Smith-Schuster is the only wide receiver. I think they drafted somebody there as well. But, you know, they're going to start covering him more. Who's he going to get the ball to? Um, you know, Connor did great last year on the ground. But I just think they're a mess internally. So I think the Rams go into Pittsburgh and steal this one. Perfect timing for a road game in Pittsburgh. I'll take a win here. See, and I disagree. Uh, going in there. Just there's something about that place coming, you know, for three straight weeks away from Los Angeles. I'm going to go with a loss there, 7-2 for you, 8-1. and one. And then they go home to play the Bears. Oh, man, these Bears, this D, man, this D is different. This is a, a top-of-the-line defense uh, that is very scary, and they shut us down last year. I think McVay is going to be ready to pull out all the tricks on these guys. I, it's tough for me to, to take a loss at home because I think one of these things that I really 
look at this Rams team as being able to defend home, even though the Coliseum doesn't have the feel of a home game a lot of times. Obviously, we've got a lot of visitor fans. That's going to be a heavy Chicago crowd. We saw it with the Packers last year. Um, but they've got to defend home. They need some redemption from last year where they kind of laid an egg in Chicago, but it was a cold game. This time November in L.A., uh, I'm going to take – yeah, I'm going to take the Rams here. As am I. So I have them as 8-2, eight, eight and two, you have it 9-1. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Ravens-Rams, also at home Monday uh, night. Yeah, this one, uh, this one's interesting, man. And this is the one that I was kind of looking at when I looked down the schedule. I don't think we're going to go undefeated at home. And it was really a toss-up between Chicago and Baltimore, who I thought we might lose to. Um, I think maybe coming off of that high of the win on Chicago, a Baltimore team that is going to be a little bit different than we saw most of the year last year. Obviously, there's no more Joe Flacco. It is now um, – what is his name? It's the second time I Lamar slipped on his name. Lamar Jackson. Come on. Get this Lamar right, Jackson. Come on. Jackson. You're a um, I know. And, uh, you know, it's a different ballgame with him in the game. And I think kind of coming off that Chicago win, they're – Baltimore's D is better than I think we're going to believe at that point. Uh, I think we take a loss here. We lose one at home, and that's going to be Baltimore. I'm taking the Rams here, so we're both 9-2. and two. Go On the road to Cardinals for December 1st, I think that's – I think it's a win. Yes. <laughs> I think I think we're – I feel pretty good sweeping the Cardinals. So, ten, you know – 10-2? Yeah. yeah. Next week at home against the Rams. Sorry, against the Seahawks. I'm yep. taking that. Uh, this is – this is redemption. We are not getting swept by the Seahawks. I think the first one's going to be close. I just think up in Seattle on Thursday night, short rest, I think they're going to get us. Um, I wouldn't be surprised with the win, but I think they'll get us at home. Another close game because last year's both games came down to a fourth down play. And uh, I think another close game, but I think uh, we're going to pull this one out. There's no way Seattle sweeps us. 11-2. Rams and Cowboys. Whew. In this... Dallas. This is another one. Uh, I, I'm not a big believer in Dak, uh, but Elliott is a, is a different beast as far as a runner. We've won in Dallas recently in the last couple of years. End of the year, December 15th. I think in a weird way, I think the Rams are going to already feel pretty comfortable in their division or where they're at. Dallas is going to be scrapping. Um, I'm going to give this to Dallas. I'm going to go Rams. I, I don't – the Rams – on a talent level alone, are the better team, coaching better team. And I think they will still be fighting for the division at this point. And this game might be what clinches it for. So 12-2 and two for them, for the Rams for me, 11-3 for you. Rams and 49ers at the 49ers, where are you going? Yeah, I think at this point, uh, I'm curious to see if Jimmy G's still playing. You know, who's healthy, who's at quarterback, because uh, we didn't see him make it this far last year. Uh, you're right. We could still be fighting for the division, but I think the Rams uh, in the NFC West have stacked up a lot of wins in the last few years. That build confidence in playing on the road. Again, talked about I love them as a road team, so uh, I, I think we will take this one in San Francisco. I think our only loss in the division is going to be at Seattle. That's that's really the way I see it. And I see the 49ers taking this one. I think they'll finally get one from us uh, late in the year. I think, you know, 12 and 3, though, will be looking pretty good heading into play the Cardinals the last week of the season. Where do you have it? Yeah, I'm hoping that, you know, we'll see some Blake Bortles action in this game and uh, <laughs> he'll get to light it up and 
you know, you know, maybe we'll see, you know, Henderson and whoever else, maybe Malcolm Brown, kind of what we saw with CJ Anderson last year, put up a hundred and whatever, 40, 50 yards he did on Arizona near the end of the year. So yeah, I think this is a cleanup game. I think this is a rest game, uh, hopefully, and uh, another victory though, because again, like you said, uh, uh, with, with the Dallas game, in your opinion, we're just a better talent team. And to be a team that you want to make a deep run, you got to beat you know, the fourth place team in your division. So that's a win to close out the season. And I'm saying win as well. I think at that point they might be playing for home field advantage. So go for the win there at 13-3. Okay, so we both have them going 13-3. The losses kind of change out in a couple different places. So that's where you are. Real quick here, we do want to give a shout-out to our sponsor, Jim Hawk. He wrote this really awesome book, Hollywood's Team Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. The book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out a son's story of his father and the team he played for in an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. Read about players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy, Grayslick's Hurst, Tom Fears, and Les Richter. In this story, spend the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawk's book online at hollywoodsteam.com and on Twitter at hollywoodsteam. It's available both on hardback and electronic form at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. You can also find Hollywoodsteam through various other booksellers on the internet. The paperback comes out September 6th. And folks, I'm saying it again. All proceeds go to Homeboy Industries, which is a charity in the Los Angeles area that works on getting people out of the gang life and making them productive members of society. It's worth it. It's a great read by a good man who is focusing on giving out into the LA community. Check it out. Hollywood's Team Grit Glamour and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's worth your time. Okay, so real quick here. Um, we actually are going a little bit over in terms of time today, so I want to kind of just give you this quick rundown of the undrafted free agents. Brad, if you know anything about them, just kind of chime in and, and let me know what you know. Here we go. Wide receiver, Alex Bachman, Wake Forest. Running back, Matt Colburn, Wake Forest. Yeah, I think uh, Col- Colburn's an exciting guy that might make a push. You know, we talked about... Uh, the end of our running back group of Justin Davis and John Kelly. Mm-hmm. If we're hanging on to a third running back, this guy might be interesting to watch. We'll be a fourth guy. Don't forget Malcolm Brown's already there too. Oh the yeah, previous fourth guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, offensive lineman Chandler Brewer, Middle Tennessee State. Center. Now I'm gonna. It's weird because he he's from my hometown school, Youngstown State. Center Vitas Rinkwitz. I I. I Heroic. <laughs> That's Heroic. a tough one. Okay, I I will talk to him. I'm like, I'll go. I promise you, I'll get a hold of him and I'll figure out how to say his name. Or you guys know how awful I am with names. Defensive lineman Tyrell Thompson, Tarleton State. Inside linebacker Troy Reader, Delaware. Yeah, Reader's awesome, man. I'm excited about him. You know, yeah. a lot of film on Nasir Adderley, and all of a sudden you see Reader out there making plays left and right. A very versatile linebacker. So curious to see. You know what he can do and 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 how he could fit in, but a, a, definitely a guy who can and tackle. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Tight end Keenan Brown, Texas State. Offensive lineman Brandon Hittner, Villanova. Wide receiver Desimbo Webster, Eastern Washington, another Eastern Washington guy. Yeah, Tight I like end. that. Cooper Cup was excited about that. So if Cooper Cup, you know, feels he's got some skill and now he's got someone on the inside to kind of help him show him the ropes in the NFL. 
might be a little sneaky, uh, you know, he, late he roster be. guy or practice squad guy. Yep. That's what I was thinking too. Saw that Eastern Washington name. That's like, hmm, interesting. Tight end, Kendall Blanton, Missouri. Linebacker, Natrez Patrick, Georgia. Tight end, Romello Brooker, Houston. So that's three tight ends, by the way. So the Rams are looking for a little bit of tight end help. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think this is really a sign to show, one, they're looking for that third tight end to come in and, and make a run. And really, if you're looking at Higby's contract coming up, they may even looking for someone that can slide all the way up into a two-spot next year that they can develop and kind of rotate. So if I'm in that tight end room, I think Everett's the only one that's really safe long-term. Everyone else, man, you got to start looking around because, um, you know, Booker from Houston uh, had some really good hype coming out. A lot of people were surprised he wasn't drafted. And then Keenan Brown out of Texas State, I just saw a little piece on him. He's a big boy. He used to be a wide receiver. Uh, he's now up at like 240, something like that. He's yeah. He's got a great height to him. So uh, another really sneaky pick there. But they've got three guys. That should say something, that tight end room. Well, and I also look at this way. It's about time we started seeing some of the development that, from Sean McVay of these tight ends that we used to see. Uh, from him and uh, hey, by the way, Mr. Phillips came over from the Redskins. What they did in Washington with the tight ends was pretty spectacular. So I want to see some yep. development over here, and that includes Gerald Everett. At this point, Gerald Everett needs to be developing in what he was drafted to be. And uh, last but not least, defensive tackle Marquise Copeland from Cincinnati. And there's the class for you that we're aware of now. I've talked to a couple of these guys already, and we'll get them on the show for you. And um, so, yeah, <laughs> I'm kind of looking forward to that kind of nice, to nice, interesting conversations as well. All right, so real quick here before we shut down the shop, I do want to just hey, say hey to you. If you like what we do and you want to partner with us, we are in need of sponsors. So reach out to us at ramstalk1945 at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. We have a media kit ready to get out to you. Also, Keep a lookout if you are an Angels fan. We are at a, a new show out, Talking Halos, that's hosted by me and a gentleman by the name of John Crane. That is coming out twice a week right now, maybe a little more depending on how bored we are. Um, and so also we have a Dodger show called, called Bleeding Blue that will be making its debut shortly as well. No, we're not trying to go national. We just have a bunch of guys who like the podcast and love sports, and, and uh, we really want to just engage in those areas as well. And uh, it's, you know, we're – we're really working on just just working for working for our our customer base as well. Okay. Also, this summer, the, like you said, Brad. Hey, Brad, you still there? Yep. Yep. <laughs> so it's quiet for a minute as I'm yapping away. For this summer, Brad's just day one of our tour in the league. We have 31 other teams uh, whose media members and podcasters will be joining this show and talking about what their teams have been doing over the off season and what's going to be expected of them. That's a big part for us. We have a couple major interviews coming up. I even have a couple that have been in my vault here since last summer that I haven't put out yet, but we have a member of the fearsome foursome coming on the show here for the next couple of weeks. We have his recording out there for you and just basically just expect us to keep doing what we always do, which is focus on the now focus on the future, but we never forget the past. We always work our best to bring 
these players back to life to you. They're already alive, I promise, but bring them back to the forefront to talk about their careers and where they've been and where they're going. So that's the plan for this summer. Stick with us. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams and on Facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. You can find me on Twitter at DC Apollo. And, of course, I cannot sign off without letting the man here, Bear Motter, give some props to where he's doing all his work. Bear, take it away. Let people know Awesome, man. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. I had a blast today talking with you live, man. I've never done a live show, so it's a bunch of fun. And uh, you guys can check me out at Lockdown Rams. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Lockdown Rams. Uh, personal at LA underscore Rambling Bear. We put out uh, during the off season three to four shows a week. Uh, when the regular season comes around, we're a five day a week show, Monday through Friday. So. Uh, you know, come on and check us out. Leave some comments. Interact with us on social media. We always love it. We try to get some good guests on as well. And I love having Derek on the show. So if you guys haven't checked it out, come on over. We're releasing one uh, tomorrow with Derek on. So lots of great stuff. Always talking Rams. If you didn't tell by now, I'm a very upbeat, positive energy type of guy. So uh, if you're needing a pickup, you know, just plug on Lockdown Rams and uh, that's what you'll get. So I appreciate you having me on, big man. And uh, can't wait to talk to you again soon. It's always good talking to you, Bear. Uh, folks, don't forget us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, or all those places, or even on Android. Don't forget that our show airs on iBeatRadio.com on Wednesdays and Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. So, it is now time for us to go. I'm getting sleepy. Bear is up all night. All he does is drink coffee and yeah. Bear's getting hungry. It's it's dinner time time now. Feed the bear. So so for Bear Motter, this is Derek C. Paulson. Have a great one, and we'll talk to you this weekend. Peace. The available AKG 36 speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360 degree sound, so you hear studio sound on the road. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade never stop arriving. The in-dash OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade never stop arriving.